Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I just called out to her. She was downstairs. And then she came up and she immediately realized something was wrong. And so she called 911. And then actually, I don't remember a lot. The ambulance came and I vaguely remember they sort of put put me on a sort of a, a gurney to take me downstairs. I have a bit of a memory of the ambulance ride to the hospital. So the hospital is in Des Moines, which is half an hour away from Indianola. They gave me uh, what's called TPA, a clot-busting drug. And that is, certainly helped a lot. But because of that, I couldn't get out of bed. It, it increases the risk of bleeding, so I couldn't get out of bed for the for the first day. And of course, they did a lot of tests, firstly confirming that it was a stroke, and then looking for the cause. The second day, I was able to get out of bed. I could walk clumsily, but I couldn't talk at all. And when I realized that, you know, obviously I was just devastated. I basically, I thought, I thought my life was basically over. I could understand what was said to me. I could say like, thank you, and I could swear. <laughs> it was quite intensive at the beginning because I was basically going to therapy four days a week and it was 45 minutes from Indianola. And obviously I couldn't drive, so my wife had to take me at the beginning. So the first thing in occupational therapy, they helped me, uh, they had like a driving simulator, so they helped me learn how to drive again. By early 2020, I could drive myself, which was a big deal, obviously. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Apraxia is a motor disorder caused by damage to the brain, which creates difficulty with performing tasks or movements. Apraxia occurring later in life, known as acquired apraxia, is typically caused by a traumatic brain injury or a stroke, dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and brain tumors or other neurodegenerative disorders. In this episode, we hear from Mark Brody from Indianola in Iowa. Mark suffered a stroke at the age of 53. I was in my office at home grading student work on my laptop. So it was early morning before 8 a.m. And I just suddenly felt that I couldn't think clearly. It was just very weird. I immediately knew something was wrong. I had no idea why. Fortunately, my wife was home uh, at that time. So uh, I just called out to her. She was downstairs. And then she came up and she immediately realized something was wrong. And so she called 911. And then actually, I don't remember a lot. The ambulance came and I vaguely remember they sort of put put me on a sort of a, a gurney to take me downstairs. I have a bit of a memory of the ambulance ride to the hospital. So the hospital is in Des Moines, which is half an hour away from Indianola. But fortunately, because we got to the hospital very quickly, they gave me uh, what's called TPA, a 
clot-busting drug. And that it certainly helped a lot. But because of that, I couldn't get out of bed. It, it increases the risk of bleeding. So I couldn't get out of bed for the, for the first day. So the first day I was uh, in the hospital, I couldn't get out of bed. I certainly remember that. And of course, they did a lot of tests, firstly confirming that it was a stroke and then looking for the cause. The second day I was able to get out of bed. I could walk clumsily, but I couldn't talk at all. And when I realized that, you know, obviously I was just devastated. I basically, I thought, I thought my life was basically over. I could understand what was said to me. I could say like, thank you. And I could swear <laughs> my stroke was in the left hemisphere, which is usually in most people controls language. And that's why I couldn't talk. But this apparently the brain circuits that control swearing are in the right hemisphere. So those circuits were fine. <laughs> so that's why I could swear, <laughs> but I couldn't talk, talk at all. And of course, I couldn't type, I couldn't spell, I could understand what was said to me. But basically, I had uh, aphasia, my brain couldn't find words. And then I also had apraxia, which means that even if I could think of a word, my my brain couldn't control my mouth to actually say it. Yeah, so I was in the hospital four days, I suppose. I had inpatient therapy for a week in a rehab center attached to the hospital. And that was physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Fortunately, the f I didn't need a lot of physical therapy. I was able to walk after a few days pretty well. And then I needed occupational therapy, I mean, just to do basic things. I mean, I could like put my clothes on, but I would make a lot of mistakes. So apraxia, it didn't only affect the control of my mouth to say words, but I was clumsy. I would like put my shoes on the wrong feet and I couldn't solve basic problems in my life. So the uh, occupational therapy was very helpful there. But really what I needed was speech therapy. I mean, I, I couldn't talk at all. And actually, I remember this was actually in the hospital even before that first week. I remember I had to be taught how to count from one to 10 by a speech therapist. I mean, I'm a computer scientist and I couldn't recite the alphabet. But in that first week, some speech started to return, sort of some of it was spontaneous and some of it was the result of the therapy, the speech therapy. I mean, the therapists were amazing. So that was a week of inpatient therapy. And then I was discharged from the hospital. So I was in the hospital almost two weeks. And then I did six months outpatient therapy, which was occupational therapy and speech therapy, mainly speech therapy. I started four times a week speech therapy and three times a week occupational therapy. As my speech started to come back, you know, we reduced that. It was quite intensive at the beginning because I was basically going to therapy four days a week and it was 45 minutes from Indianola. And obviously I couldn't drive. So my wife had to take me at the beginning. So the first thing in occupational therapy, they helped me, uh, they had like a driving simulator. So they helped me learn how to drive again. By early 2020, I could drive myself, which was a big deal, obviously. Mark got a great deal of support from friends and family. The most important thing in my recovery was definitely my wife. I mean, she was just incredible. Then my mum came for three months. That was also uh, really helpful. So she would help me at home when I was working on my therapy. And then as soon as I was back home, my colleagues at Simpson started coming over with meals. It was just amazing with home cooked meals, maybe four or five days a week for a month. They did that, which was also incredible. And obviously my Colleagues had to take over my classes. 
in a six months of therapy, I couldn't teach at all. So I had to take over my classes. My wife actually took over one of my classes because she was the only person in the department with the background. So she was t- teaching her regular schedule and she was teaching one of my classes and she was driving me to therapy and doing all this stuff around the house that I couldn't do, taking our daughter everywhere. Coming back to the Simpson College, even though I didn't teach in those six months, uh, they actually continued to pay me, which was wonderful. I was very lucky in just having the support from so many people. And then uh, the other two factors were the therapists who were just incredible and then therapy apps. So in the very first session in the hospital, speech therapy session, my wife asked about therapy apps. The therapist recommended one from Tactus Therapy and she showed us how to use it. So in my recovery, I used three different apps from Tactus Therapy at different points as my speech progressed the therapists uh, recommended different apps, and they were very skilled at showing me how to use the apps and how to set the settings appropriately. And uh, so it was really the combination of all that support. Because I was using the apps at home in the in-person therapy sessions, the therapist could concentrate on doing things that the apps couldn't do for me. So it was doing the therapy in person and then practicing at home every day, every day. And my speech came to, uh, started to come back initially quite quickly. I mean, it was just incredible. It's still getting getting better. Uh, so it's not quite at the level that it was before my stroke, but I can speak fine. I mean, so after six months therapy, I was returned to work, basically, and I've, I've been doing my job. I make more mistakes in my speech, particularly when I'm teaching. My life is pretty, pretty good. <laughs> my spelling still is not great. I often struggle to spell basic words, and my typing is definitely much slower than it was before my stroke. In fact, when I need to like, write an email or something, I'll use uh, text-to-speech. I will speak it to the computer or the, my phone, and then it'll turn it into text, and then it'll make some mistakes, but I can correct those by hand. It's actually easier for me to type by by talking than it is by typing. The other thing, oh, which I not that I forgot, but uh, of course, COVID happened in the middle of this. So I started therapy in the end of November 2019. It was in person until March, and then COVID happened. And so at that point, we decided to end the occupational therapy. The speech therapy was down to two times a week at that point, but then we went on to Zoom. So I did the rest of my speech therapy on Zoom for another three months until the end of May, and that was the end of therapy. Coming up, Mark talks about the fatigue he suffered during therapy. Certainly in the weeks after my stroke, therapy was just uh, exhausting. So most mornings I was doing therapy and then I would sleep hours after lunch. And then talking was definitely much more exhausting. As my speech came back, I was able to talk more, but that was exhausting. Just required a lot of effort. You know, I was concentrating and as my speech came back, it became easier to talk, and so it became less fatiguing. But there's no doubt it's still more difficult for me like to give a lecture. And speaking up for yourself. You really have to advocate for yourself just in terms of getting the best medical care that you can. If you can't speak as I couldn't, obviously, hopefully you have a care partner like who could advocate for you, like my wife was able to. That's really important. And you just have to be willing to ask for help. Let's hear how Mark's stroke changed his hobbies and interests. In most 
ways I'm the same person that I was before my stroke. But in a few ways, I'm, I enjoy certain things in life more because I'm very aware that other people can't enjoy them, whether they're stroke survivors or had some other disaster in their lives. And then, as I said, my typing and spelling and so on is not quite the same. So in that way, I'm different. But this most mysterious difference, I think, is this reading thing. I could read fine, basically, immediately after my stroke and my vision is fine. But for some reason, I don't like to read nearly as much as I did before my stroke. Yeah, I don't really know why that is. It could be that subconsciously reading is harder for me, even though I can do it. So what will usually happen is I'll read something for half an hour on a particular day. And before my stroke, I would continue reading it the next day or the next day. But now I just don't have the desire on the next day to continue reading it. So I might come back to it in a week or something. So I am still reading, but much less than before, just because yeah, the desire just isn't there. But what's really uh, strange is I'm in enjoying listening to music much more than before my stroke. <laughs> So I'm sure it has something to do with the way my brain has recovered somehow. Some of those circuits have changed or haven't recovered. I don't know. But yeah, it's just one of those mysterious after effects. Certainly in the weeks after my stroke, therapy was just uh, exhausting. So most mornings I was doing therapy and then I would sleep hours after lunch. And then talking was definitely much more you know, exhausting. As my speech came back, I was able to talk more, but that was exhausting. Just required a lot of effort. You know, I was concentrating. And as my speech came back, it became easier to talk. And so it became less fatiguing. But there's no doubt it's still more difficult for me like to give a lecture. Internally, I'm still struggling to find words some of the time, even though it's not visible, usually to people, to the students listening to me or people that I'm having a conversation with. Occasionally, particularly in a, in a lecture situation, I'll, there'll be a word that I want to say and I just can't say it and I can't think of another way to make my point and I just have to sort of apologize to the students or, you know, I have to prepare my slides very carefully so if I can't say a word, I can point to it on the slides. So all that stuff takes effort. So I'm certainly sleeping more after my stroke, even this is it's almost three years later now. I'm, I'm definitely sleeping more after my stroke than before. But I wouldn't say there's anything that I can't do. I mean, I can go on a long hike and as long as I have a good night's sleep before, it's not a huge problem for me. But yeah, talking particularly is uh, a little bit more effort. Finally, here's Mark's advice to stroke survivors. You really have to advocate for yourself just in terms of getting the best medical care that you can. If you can't speak as I couldn't, obviously, hopefully you have a care partner like who could advocate for you, like my wife was able to. That's really important. And you just have to be willing to ask for help from medical personnel and also people in your life. I mean, your friends and family want to help you. But certainly for me, in, initially, it was it was difficult for me to ask for help. But, you, you know, you, you just have to do that. I found therapy in enormously helpful. I've, I've read a few of Stroke Survivor books since then, and not everyone has that experience. But I would say if your therapy is not going well, again, you have to take ownership and just advocate for yourself. And if the relationship with a therapist is not great, either, you know, you have to tell them that and get them to change their approach or find a different therapist if you can. 
that was just a hugely important advice for care partners. Ask for help. In a sense, my wife was almost more overburdened than I was, right? So I was in therapy, okay, so and I was working very hard, but I had no other responsibilities. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't initially I wasn't driving. I was just focusing on my therapy. Meanwhile, she had to do everything. She was teaching. She was teaching one of my classes. She was doing everything. And there was no therapy for her. We were just very fortunate. So she could ask my, my mother for help. But my mother came and uh, we had faculty colleagues bringing food. But just ask for help from people in your life. Because, yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. I mean, a stroke affects everybody. In a way, it's not even, at least in my experience, it was almost worse for my wife than me, in a sense. And just take it one day at a time. I think it's very easy as a care partner to get overwhelmed. So you need to take some time where you're not caring with the, for the stroke survivor. Uh, therapy can give you that break, or you can uh, hopefully have other family members come in and just uh, give you a break of from caring on the stroke survivor for a while, because it is very draining on the care partner as well. Mark had an incredibly strong support network around him, and thanks to the efforts of his wife, his mother, and his work colleagues, he was able to make an excellent recovery and return to his job. Thank you for listening, and thanks for supporting Stroke Stories. Please do recommend the podcast to anybody you think it might help. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please get in touch via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.